when we talk about the economy of grace. The economy of grace. And this is what subjects that we will, we began and we'll walk through here right up until when we preach our Sunday morning Christmas message. It'll be about the economy of, of grace. So, Father, we thank you that we've experienced grace. We are living by grace. Lord, we, uh, we move by grace. And we know him who is grace. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray for the impartation, the, the, the insight, and the ability to convey the wonders of your grace. Thank you, Lord. It is humanly impossible for us or anyone to completely understand how big and deep and wide the grace that God offers to us really, really is. The word from which grace is rendered is the word cherus. And, and if I was to ask you to divine grace, most everyone would say the unmerited favor of God. And, and indeed it is that because... Grace is God's idea. But grace is, has an expandable definition and elements to it. Grace is activity. That unmerited favor of God is, is probably the most active element, even though not always recognized. It takes place in your life. The word cherish is literally means grace that has a divine influence. A divine influence upon your heart and its reflection in your life. The manner and the act of favorable attention. Resulted in the heart becoming, this is about part of the definition of cherus or grace. Resulting in the heart becoming delightful, calm, happy, pleasurable, cheerful, and well off. Grace. Grace is a word that's all about God. And it is nothing more than God himself. It is unmerited divine assistance. God has extended grace. 
But grace has to be received. The grace of God hath appeared. Titus. To all mankind. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. Speaking of Jesus Christ. The grace of God and the graces of God are meant to be accessed every day in your life. It's not just an event. It is a way of living. A way of living. Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by the power of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's what grace did. Gave himself that we might live by God's power. When we pray, we are practicing the element of drawing on grace. Whether we are receiving salvation or preparing for service. Hebrews says, let us come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. Grace is a reigning element. Throne is a metaphor about reigning. You shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is the grace of God appeared. Wow. Grace is filled with promises that are held out to us and to show us the way from an ordinary life to an extraordinary kind of living. God is, in his grace, is not out to get you. He's out to give to you. <coughs> Amen. It says that goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You don't have to be afraid of the days of your life. God has went ahead and said that there was going to be goodness and mercy. And I'll show you, you know, as we move on that, you know, it's everywhere. You say, well, pastor, what about the bad days? Well, it's probably because you're not looking at grace. You're not accessing grace. Grace has a, an amazing ability to take our weaknesses and turn it to strengths. 
It has an amazing ability to take the arena where we are short and, you know, make it more than enough. You got through yesterday by God's grace. And you're living today by God's grace. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. There's a power grid, according to Peter, that God invites us and gives us the honor and the privilege of tapping into. It's not just any kind of power, it's divine power. The connection begins to, to, to become greater. The voltage, you know, uh, rises in the amount that is coming through as we discover more about him and who he is. And if I might just refer quickly that the Christmas story is, you know, it's more than a bedtime story. It's not just a novelty of something, you know, sweet and wonderful and lovely. It's an amazing display. The divine power of God. Setting up the, that grid, so to speak. <coughs> from whom and in whom, you know, it was going to flow This divine life. Grace is that divine assistance. It says in verse 4 that by which we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. That through these we might be partakers of divine nature. It is a magnet. It is a wonderful, couldn't get that word out, (laughs) power of deliverance. You don't do and are not doing the things that was destroying your life and now doing things that are benefiting your life all because of that grace that delivered you. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. The grace is there. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. Grace is reaching down. Grace is the greatest exchange that have ever transpired. Both in heaven and in earth. That's right. Not just earth. In heaven and in earth. 
It's the song of grace that is being sung in the heavenlies in the book of Revelations about the redeemed. How he has redeemed them from every tribe, tongue, and, and nation. God moving on your behalf and my behalf. When we didn't even not only deserve it, but no promise on our part. Grace is poverty's triumph. It's poverty's triumph. That exchange of spiritual destitute now being rich spiritually. A grace that is interested in the whole of your life. What's going on? George Beverly Shea used to sing, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know that he watches me. It's the attention of grace. And out of that word, of course, we get graciousness. There are so many aspects to the grace of God. One of them is God's gentle care. And he says in Isaiah 43, 42 and 3, A bruised reed he will not break, or a smoking flax he will not quench. He's telling us that the green buds are regarded by Christ as well as the ripe and the grown fruit. Every aspect of the process. It's got so many facets to it and so many dimensions to it. In that grace, we get new strength. From his grace, we get new motives. From his grace, new principles begin to guide our lives. From grace, there's a new taste that comes into us. Well, taste and see that the Lord is good. The things that you once did, you had a taste for. Now, no longer you don't have a taste for them. You get some new feelings. And grace gives you new aspirations. Where does that vision come from? Where does anticipation come from? It was on the cross that grace shines in its fullness and is all its brilliance. When Jesus said to the repentant thief, today you're going to be with me in paradise. When he also from the cross says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. 
Grace recognizes your stupidity <laughs> and my stupidity. <laughs> oh, that's not a good word. I said that from a human standpoint, okay? <laughs> he recognizes our ignorance. Hell. And he guides us in his process. Grace does that. In Wednesday night, we've been studying the fruits of the Spirit, and, which is really a breakdown of the activity and the work of grace in our lives. Jesus, grace is so powerful in the heart of God that when he emptied himself of the form of God and relinquished all that belonged to him as the son of David. And though he still has the promise of reign in the son of David, but so that he could go ahead and execute grace for humanity, he says, I'm not going to rush the throne. I'm going to give time for grace to work. Moved. I like to say this, that different ways that we experience grace Number one, not so much experience, but to capture grace is God on the phone. Grace is your number. God has went ahead and dialed it. And there's an open line. There's a song that I grew up on as a young person. You know, it's called the Royal Telephone. Anybody know that one? Nobody don't know that one. You know that one? Awesome. Central's never busy, always on the line. You can hear from heaven almost any time. Tis a royal service, free to one and all. Telephone to glory, give that royal line a call. Hebrews says, why don't you come before the throne of grace so that you can receive grace and mercy in the time of need. Hebrews says, I recognize that there is going to be moments and situations in your life, you know, that you need to access grace. You need an extra and a portion. And there is a scepter. It's called the scepter of grace. Remember Esther. knowing that going before the king, even though the king was her husband, that the rule of the land was as the scepter didn't 
get raised, when you walked into his presence, your life was over. But Jesus Christ is the everlasting lifted up scepter. Grace. The beauty of grace is that it's covered all the bases. Man's sin, his need for forgiveness and for righteousness, the scripture says, is brought through the cross. Death, which is an enemy. Is now eliminated because of regeneration and restoration that's brought about by the resurrection. Grace just can't be understood fully because it's, it's the wisdom of God in someone who is all-knowing. Someone who is all-powerful. Someone who is everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent. And someone whose love is he. Eternal. And this grace fits life. It fits life. It fits your finances. It fits your marriage. It fits your career, your health, your job, your spiritual life. God has tailored it to work in all areas of life. Peter recognized it and he called it the manifold grace of God. The manifold, the many-faceted grace of God. A manifold, all these mechanics in here, you know, motor People have a manifold. There's a one center, you know what I mean, of input, and but it filters out into the rest. The manifold grace of God. The wonderfulness of grace is that it's for all of Earth's journey in activities. It guides us to the new horizons. It's grace that turns our despairs into hope. It's grace that enlivens us and enables us. Grace is that change agent that's going on. When you say, oh, I wish I wasn't that way. I wish I wouldn't have responded that way. It's just the voice of grace, which is the voice of God. But it's not just a direction of God, it's an empowerment of God. It's an assistance of God. 
the law gave plenty of direction, but it was short on assistance. Grace not only gives direction, it gives assistance. Grace is so amazing and so wonderful and so, so uh, personal that it says, let your speech be seasoned with grace. Begins to affect how you say things, what you say. It makes, it gives you an endearment into a conversation. You ever are talking and all of a sudden something comes out of your mouth, you know what I mean? And you didn't really have a whole lot of thought to it and it just goes, whoa, (laughs) that's good. I got to listen to that. It's God's grace. Yeah. You're not that smart. (laughs) You might be smart, but you're not that smart. But grace. The word of grace comes to you. That's what the scripture says. The word of grace comes to you. There are the methods of grace. There's the consolation of grace. According to Peter, it's his exceeding and precious promises. Grace is helping you reach. Grace is what gives you anticipation and expectation based upon what grace has already written and said. Grace gets you from here to there, from first base to second base, and eventually home. (laughs) Grace does it. I'm confident that you can put yourself in the place of grace, or excuse me, in the path of grace. You don't have to be perfect to receive God's grace. You just need to ask. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find and knock and it shall be opened to you. The amazing progressiveness. Think about that God is just awaiting your request. See, grace is God's part. Faith is your part. And at the same time, he has been the author of it in the first place in getting faith into you.
Mary, in the midst of confusion and not being able to understand, made no sense at all. She just went ahead and says, I'm just going to let grace do its work then. Be it unto me according to the word of the Lord. Grace figures it out. Grace makes it happen because grace is none other than God himself. Based upon the merits of Jesus Christ and not your merits. Grace is not, you know, performance oriented, yet it is an amazing performer. Grace is essential for our lives, and we don't control the supply. But you can make grace flow. You can make grace flow. God has given, you know, us circuits to connect, pipes to open. Just like you do with a faucet in water. The water is there. But you have to turn the faucet. The electricity is there, but you have to go ahead and flip the breaker. Hallelujah. Let's talk about grace in the sense of, I don't have a right word for it, but it's, all of it's uncommon grace, but grace that just fills our world, fills it. It's God's grace to all people. It's not so much saving grace as it is an invitation of grace, a grace to help us recognize. Grace to those that love him and those that don't love him. Psalms 104 says he causes the grass to grow for the cattle, vegetation for the service of man, that he might bring forth fruit, food from the earth. Harvest is evidence of grace in your field and their field. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Church, amen. Matthew 5 and 44 says he makes the sun to shine on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. I'm long ago stopped being envious of the other guy in the center and Wicked. 
because of their blessing, because it's God's grace. Hallelujah. It says in Luke chapter 6, he's kind to the unthankful and the evil. Yeah. Now, grace does, when we capture and understand it, it'll begin to produce thanks. But grace just is running around doing its thing, even when people are not recognizing it and they're not giving any thanks for it. Grace just... There's a picture of the, the reach of grace. And it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. And it's the, the young man and the king is called Manasseh. He comes to the throne at the age of 12. And that's an early rulership. I'm sure he had people around him. But, you know, he starts his reign at the age of 12. And the scripture says that this little guy just did evil in the sight of the Lord. He built, he rebuilt or built altars in the high places. In other words, God says, you know what I mean? This is where you should worship. And he goes, says, now, nah, guess what? You know what I mean? We're going to make it convenient for you so you don't have to travel so far. So we're going to set up some worship centers in other places. Just a pure violation of God's wish and will. He worshiped the stars. He even took the Lord's house. And he built altars to his gods in the Lord's house. And you'll probably remember this one. He's the king that set up the worship of sacrifice and kids, babies. Trouble set in and in that moment of trouble, it was an awakening and awareness. It was a checkpoint, so to speak. Grace was setting some checkpoints up in his life. Grace was, you know, getting his attention. And when it got his attention... Bible says that he, he humbled himself. Just look at the extremity of this. Sacrificing kids. And grace goes ahead and forgives him. And lets his life be changed. And he became a worshiper of God. And Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. He didn't know it before. Somehow it hadn't registered. How would you like to be the woman in the Bible whose name is Sinner? 
She was just known. I mean, you know, when they pointed her out, when they referenced her, they go, she's a sinner. Can't you just see the sneer on people's, you know, the way they'd say that? The woman was in the city, and behold, she was a sinner. And yet, the scripture references her. How grace can close the distance. The dying thief, we talked about Saul of Tarsus. Fact is, it says in 1 Timothy. And so that's why you need to study Paul's life. Because he said it's a picture or a pattern. It shows you the parameters of the long sufferings of Christ. Why does God let things just run and go so long? And then comes alongside and gives mercy. Paul's life, who had been killing Christians, God is long-suffering to him. Story after story in the scriptures about the grace of God. The Philippian jailer, the runaway servant. The wonderful thing about grace, it was planned. It was planned. Planned grace. Second Timothy chapter 1 says this, you know, according to his own purpose and grace. The orchestration, the organization of it. It's all because God wanted to do good. It says that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Wow. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Well, I got to do some more good because they're not quite there yet. This grace is a regenerating grace. It is a it is an infusion of life. According to Ezekiel, as he prophesied, he looked down into this 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 time. He said, "I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit." I'm going to put my spirit within you. And then there's that dynamic power that comes from that transformation. He says, and you're going to just walk in my ways. 
Grace does some amazing things. Let me do a couple more here because we can't begin to cover it. But justifying grace, therefore being justified by faith, we have, we have access into his grace and therefore having peace with God. Romans chapter 3 says, being justified freely by his grace. That is the change of status or standing. You know that. It's a legal declaration of God in which the person's sins are forgiven and Christ's righteousness is imparted to them being received by faith. You hear about it, you believe it, you know what I mean? And it becomes a reception into your, your life. It is being delivered from the consequences of your sin. The judgment of your sin. Justifying grace. But there's more. There's the adoption of grace. The adoption of grace. So the judge is just not saying, you know what I mean? Okay, this is, this is the verdict. We're, we're forgiving you. It's over. He says, I'm going to make you part of my family. So we not only get a, a status and a standing, you know what I mean? But we get to be adopted into the family of God. having determined or predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ. See, this sonship thing is the apex of a church. It's, it's right and it's good and it's great thing to be loved and to be, you know, forgiven and cared for, but to be a son is greater. It says in John chapter 1, for as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It says in John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3 and 1, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And he goes on to talk about, you know what I mean, the future elements of the son. But he says, I want you to know something. God has adopted you as his own child. He is now your father. And as a father, he is your provider and he is your protector. He is your teacher. He's your guide. <clears throat> Sons of God. Paul talks about the grace for ministry. Let me tell you, you can do it. Whatever God has called you to do. And if you're wrestling with something, you don't have to wrestle with it. You can do it. Paul says there's grace for ministry. 
is each one has received the gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You only fall short of the grace of God when you don't appropriate the grace that has been given for the cause for which you have been called. Now, obviously, there's a development of grace, not so much in grace itself, but in us. But, you know, you can do it. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, my weaknesses don't become really a challenge because of the grace of God. Grace. It is not only the acceptance of God, it is the empowerment of God. To each one has been given grace according to the measure of the gift of God. So you have grace this morning. You can do it. There's an empowerment. There's a provision of grace. I'll try to wrap it up here and ask my musicians to come. And there's grace for the gaps. Grace for the gaps. Hallelujah. It fills the gaps. His grace is always enough. You need to look for grace. You need to see his grace. The grace to guide you. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, But God, being rich in mercy, in great love, when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace are you saved. And he raised us up with him to seat us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've not only been rescued, we've been positioned. We've been positioned. Grace for those downtimes. Grace for when you don't know what the next step is. Grace. The one great mystery of grace is, let me read it for you. I wrote it down. Sometimes there are those unspoken. Prayers embedded deep in the recesses of our soul. And hopes that are waiting to surface that can't be vocalized, unleashed, or discovered unless we go through the valley and the forest. Why do I go through them? Because there's some things there that it's going to bring up that God wants to be realized. 
those things that are longing for those moments and the purposes to push us to go deeper in God, to look further into the mystery and of his presence and the wonder and the miracle of his gifts. Grace for the gaps, those trials of indecision and those unexplainable what is known as, or we could call, the holy masses of God. I would say that the Christmas story is a holy mess. Yeah, think about it, read it. It was such a holy mess that when Jesus was ministering, you know, it was still following him. Didn't use real nice terms. We would call it child out of wedlock. They said, you're son of a bastard. Means the same thing. I don't even like the word myself, (laughs) but it's in there. Holy messes. Oh, wonder of God's grace. Because he works all things after the counsel of his own will. There's anything he doesn't know. And we know so little and we make our judgments based upon that little we know. You know, And God is going, you know, it don't look like it at all. Grace has got a bucket list for your life. And I choose that word because that's a real big term today. You know what I mean? What's your bucket list? What is it that, you know, you really like to see happen and really like to take place? Oh, grace has got a bucket list. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Fruitfulness, fellowship, peace, heaven, faith. Grace's bucket lift is so that you could live like you're loved. You ever watch people? And you do. I know you do. But you can you can tell them their walk. You know? Their self-image. And most self-injury comes from whether or not, you know, somebody loves them. Somebody really cares about them. Well, I don't have a dress code, but boy, let me tell you, sometimes a dress code tells me a whole lot about what that individual thinks about themselves. Is that all right? I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about getting judgmental. I'm talking about you, you just go ahead and walk up and find out about them once. And see their self-image. Grace comes along and says, I want, I want you to live like you're loved. I want you to live like you belong. I want you to live like you got a place. I want you to live like you got a future.
I want you to live like God's in charge or I'm in charge. That is be many in God. I want you to live in faith and expectation. I want to live with, with passion. Stand with me this morning and God wants us to let grace play out in our lives. God wants your life and my life to be, as it were, a stage from which his grace is being demonstrated and a play is going on. Grace. He didn't just take care of your past. He's wanting to take care of your future. Come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Grace is for everyone. Grace is Hallelujah. Yeah. What was it about that helped Noah find grace? Very simple. He had heard something about God. He had heard something how God was merciful and God was gracious. And he started to look for it because that's what that means. Noah found grace. When you find something, you're looking for it. That's all you got to do is look for it. Just look for it. God will make sure that it arrives, you know. So that you can identify it and see it and it's there. Just look for it. Every day. Every day. Father, thank you this morning. Help us not to miss grace. That surround us and that is arranging our lives and orchestrating our lives and empowering our lives and you know even sometimes Lord you know what I mean the holy messes grace is actively in charge because Thank you, Lord, this morning. We don't have to qualify for it. We just have to have that extra measure that goes beyond just what you bless society and the world with. There can be a measure of grace in our life for whatever you've called us to do. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Thank you this morning for your grace. And all the people said amen. All right. God bless you today. Amen.